It's just after 6 o'clock in the big city. It's time for America's favorite Las Vegas sports show, Sports X Radio with Ken Thompson. <laughs> yeah, what up? Party's going on. Duh. Going to a party. Sports X Radio with Ken Thompson is brought to you by Hannah Shea Boyle and Rappaputi. Trial lawyers that get results. Steiner's Pub, a true Nevada style pub. Preventative Diagnostic Center. Rob Ritchie, Farmers Insurance. So get ready because Sports X Radio with Ken Thompson starts now. It does. KT Live, Steiner's Pub, 1750 North Buffalo, 103 in the Vegas Valley to serve you. KT's been at this location right here. It is Vegas Drive in Buffalo, 15 years now, and it is still one of the greatest little places. I just love it. I mean, it's just uh, a great crowd, absolutely great crowd tonight. Uh, just about every table taken, but people await. The bar is packed as well. All the games are rocking and rolling. We've got UNLV basketball. They're going to tip off in about an hour over there at Thomas and Mac. We've got Vegas Golden Knights. They're going to drop the puck in about an hour as well over there at the Fortress. Big game tonight, and uh, that against the L.A. Kings. And so, so much going on here in the Vegas Valley, but all three Steiner's Pub locations are really home away from home for a lot of people. Uh, really cool, especially when the teams are on the road, you're able to take in all the games. But at home as well, if you don't make it to the Fortress, no better place because all three locations will do it up in style. They have all types of drink specials and, and different deals. Great happy hour to begin with, but at any time the Golden Knights are playing or the Raiders or UNLV, I mean, they always cater to the locals. So those are all those all three locations, 8410 West Cheyenne on the west side. That's the original, finishing up their 25th year. And then we've got where KT is on Wednesday night, 1750 North Buffalo, like I said, right there at Vegas Drive inside the Albertson Shopping Center. And then over on the boulevard, Las Vegas Boulevard South, 8168 Las Vegas Boulevard South to be exact, in between South Point and Mandalay Bay right there at Windmill and LV Boulevard South. That is your other location. So all three establishments are 24 hours, great gaming, great food. You've got to be 21 or older. You can go online if you want to get food because the prices are outstanding and the food is excellent. You can bring it home for the uh, the youngins just in case they're not old enough to get in. But uh, their hashtag, I love this place, and there's no doubt that I do love Steiner's Pub. Roger Sachs and his crew, they do a great job. And cleanliness, top of the line, I always talk about that. You get in, you can see crystal clear like all the bottles that are uh, back against the bar like with the mirrors behind so the mirrors are nice and clean and then you get to see all the bottles always dusted and 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 just everything taken care of tip top they've got a ton of selections as far as the beers so they got you know i'd say about 20 beers on tap but they don't have on tap they do have in the bottle so it is just a great setup here full bar and the thing that separates steiners from a lot of establishments because there is good service in a lot of other places as well but it is impeccable at all three Steiner's Pub locations. And Roger Sachs, he is, you know, somebody, a stickler for that. He wants to make sure that the service is top of the line. So, you know, you'll see the bussers are constantly filling the waters and the iced teas and whatever. And then the wait staff always on top of everything. And the kitchen expedites everything as quickly as possible. The managers will get in there and they'll do the expediting as well and making sure nothing's sitting under the, the heat lamp there. And uh, that is just top of the line. So, please... Make it to one of your three Steiner's Pub locations, or all three, and check them out. Let them know Ken Thompson sent you. Again, I really enjoy doing the show here on Wednesday nights. We've got a great show in store for you, so let's get rolling. Now, the starting five. Number one. 
All right, let's go right to the starting five and uh, just turn down the mic just a little bit, but uh, we'll go right to it. And we're not going to, you know, pull any punches. We know VGK has got a home game tonight at T-Mobile, and that'll be against the L.A. Kings. And the Kings playing pretty solid hockey, 7-2-2. Two, and two. VGK suffering their first regulation loss in their last outing against Anaheim, against the Ducks after coming off whitewashing Colorado 7-0 at the Fortress. They'll try and get back on the right track, but 11-1-1 so far, and they are just killing it. So hopefully they take care of business. But the reason I started with hockey really wasn't even that VGK's at home. If you remember last night, KT says, you know, Mark Hoke's making sport of this poor San Jose Sharks franchise. 0-10-1. No wins in danger of having the worst start ever in NHL history. And KT, he was a betting man, and he is, comes out and says, you know, I think the San Jose Sharks are going to win tonight against your Flyers, Mark Oak. And they got that early goal in the first four minutes, and then they held on for dear life. Two to one, they end up getting that first win. The money went on the Flyers. I mean, the Flyers were minus 200 to win 100. As soon as KT opens his big mouth, it goes to minus 220 literally a minute later. So I'm like, okay, people are second-guessing old Thompson over here. But I'm feeling it. Every now and then you get that feeling something's going to go down. And sure enough, there it is. San Jose Sharks win their first game in regulation. They win it 2-1 to one against Mark Hoke's Flyers. So had to start it out right there, a little NHL hockey. VGK at home against the Kings. But more importantly for you Sharks fans and for Mark Hoke, his Flyers go down as the first victim of the Sharks in San Jose. Number two. All right, getting a little dicey now. Big Ten going back and forth with Harbaugh. This is one of these deals. Actually, with Michigan, nothing determined as of yet. But, of course, the big legal team over there for the Mason Blue coming out saying, look, you better be careful if you're going to levy some type of penalty prior to all the evidence going out and the due process being done. Because if you screw it up, we're going to come after you. And that's basically a threat to the Big Ten. So even though the other teams, most of the other teams in the conference feel that Michigan has been pulling shenanigans for the last three years, we'll wait and see what happens. So it's all up to the commissioner, basically. And uh, I really think they are going to penalize Michigan, but not the kids. They're going to penalize the coach. And I would expect some type of suspension. Now, they only have three games left. They have Saturday against Penn State, right? And then... After that Penn State game, they go to Maryland, and then, of course, they close in Ann Arbor with Ohio State. They need to run the table to make sure that they're going to be in the playoff unless some crazy thing happens, like they lose to the winner of the western half of the Big Ten, which more than likely would not happen. But we'll wait and see how everything shakes out. Michigan has sent a 10-page rebuttal back to the commissioner of the Big Ten, and, again, we're going to wait for everything to come out and I actually saw Stephen A. Smith and Mad Dog go at it today on what they think should happen. And Mad Dog's like, well, the penalty, the, you know, the team shouldn't be penalized, maybe the coach. And, you know, I agree with Stephen A. Smith in this case. I don't always agree with him. In fact, a lot of times I don't agree with him. But I agree that if you're complicit and you are part of something and you know you have a major edge, and I'm just telling you, based on what Stephen A. is, you know, talking about, these guys have insiders and they're getting more information than even the rest of the media and anybody out there unless you're directly connected to one of the universities that might know have a little bit more of a no inside so we will see how it all shakes out but i i'm I'm just like look if the players are part of 
an illegal scheme, I don't care. You all go down. And you know what? More than likely, they're not going to pull Michigan out of a potential playoff. My whole thing is I just hope the karma catches up to him this Saturday in Happy Valley and the Nittany Lions crush him, then we don't have to worry about it. But right now, we'll see how it all shakes out. The two toughest teams that Michigan's played so far, believe it or not, UNLV, Coach Odom, love to have another shot at him right now, the way the team's playing with uh, Maeda, quarterback, uh, but also Rutgers. And Rutgers gave Ohio State a good tussle this uh, past Saturday. So we'll see how everything shakes out as far as Michigan, Harbaugh, and the Big Ten. Number three. How about 71-year-old former manager of the Texas Rangers, who, of course, just won their first World Series, Ron Washington. He is the new hire for Mr. Marino and the Angels, the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. So now there would be uh, back to two African-American managers. Of course, Dave Roberts still with the Dodgers. And now the Angels will have Ron Washington. Dusty Baker, of course, retiring after uh, getting knocked out of the AL playoffs by those Texas Rangers after a long storybook career. So... We'll see how it pans out. But I always liked Ron Washington. I thought he was a charismatic cat and uh, should be uh, interesting. And I'm hoping to make it over there to a bunch of the games. I always enjoy going to that stadium and, of course, love Orange County. So we'll see how Ron Washington is able to uh, transition back into the big leagues as the head honcho for the Angels. And I'm hoping they still have a shot to bring back Otani, but more than likely uh, he's going to go somewhere else. But we'll wait and see how it all shakes out. Maybe he'll want to play. For Ron Washington, I know uh, Anaheim, the LA Angels of Anaheim, they of course want Shohei Otani back in a big way. Number four. All right, let's get to it. Talked about it. Kevin Kruger. Coach Krug's got the big one. I know it's Southern. It's at Thomas and Mac, but it's the opener. And there's just something about opening up college basketball. I mean, you remember back when you were in maybe high school and whatever sport it was, that opening game didn't matter who you were playing. You were just jonesing to get back out there. And I know Coach Krugs has a tough schedule down the line, but I think they're going to take care of business in a big way against Southern. And then Stetson comes a call at 4 o'clock on Saturday, but they'll tip it off at Thomas and Mac a little after 7 tonight. I'm going to jam down there from Steiner, see if I can't uh, make it there for at least the uh, maybe about 15 minutes of the second half. We'll just see how quickly I can get out of here. But Stetson on Saturday, and we're hoping the Rebs can uh, really have a solid season. Lindy LaRock and the Lady Rebs, of course, got off to a good start with their 10-point win over Loyola Marymount, and they will be here on Friday, I believe, uh, uh, this week against Charleston. I think I talked about that last night. But good luck to Kevin Kruger and the Running Rebels as they open up at Thomas and Mac tonight. Number five. And then, of course, we're going to get into the scores, but some NBA notes. Jamal Murray for the champion Denver Nuggets. He is out probably for at least the rest of November. Meanwhile, Phoenix, the Suns, Bradley Beal, he made his debut tonight, his first game in a Suns uniform in Chicago. And I did see that he hit two of his first three shots. They were all three-pointers. He made his uh, second and third after missing his opening shot. And we'll check in on that score in just a little bit. And then AD, Anthony Davis, out tonight with hip spasms. Oh, man, that just sounds painful. I mean, I've had back spasms before, and I hate it. I, I hate when I'm you know, all jacked up and playing basketball, and then you come running down the court and you can just feel it. And anybody that knows what it's like having lower back problems every now and then, it just it's scary because you feel like, gosh, dang it, I'm not in control. And my back, I just don't want to tweak it. So now have that wisdom like uh, the old Clint Eastwood. Man's got to know his limitations. You just kind of have to, all right, 
I'll live to see another day. I'll come back tomorrow and give it a shot. But let's go to the scores as that is a look at the uh, starting five. Let's run over and uh, check out our Maction, of course, uh, Mid-American Conference, Tuesdays and Wednesday nights, college football. All Toledo at the glass ball. They were up 35-0. Eastern Mish gets a late field goal, 35-3 at the half. Toledo, the Rockets favored by 20, total 45. You're sitting fat there with 38 at the half. Meanwhile, Brad Powers, Alma Mater, Bowling Green spotted Kent a 6-0 lead. They've reeled off 28 unanswered. Falcons of Bowling Green, 28, Kent 6. 5.20 to go third quarter. And then Miami of Ohio leading Akron 10 nothing. 5.35 left in the third quarter. They are laying 17, total of 37.5. But Akron, whoa, talk about a woeful offense. And Kent, by the way, on the board right now. Uh, extra point pending. It is 28-12, and they may go for two. But 28-12, to 12, they are plus 11 in that game. So you're still short there. And that total, 41.5. So you're right there knocking on the door as far as the total with 450 left in the third quarter. Jump down to the NBA. Wizards, 530 away from a win at Charlotte. Lead the Hornets, 124-104. to 104. Uh, They're actually two-point dogs in that game. But Washington taking care of business. Total, 239.5. The game's going to sail over that total. Sixers right now, it's getting tight, but it's almost over. So Mark Hoke's 76ers, who have struggled with the Celtics. Laying, or they're actually catching two and a half. So you're okay as long as the game doesn't go overtime. Philly's going to cover this game. It's 106 to 100. Now, I shouldn't say that the NBA anything can happen, but 106 100. Philly leads it by six. 229 and a half is your total. You would need an extra session to get that up and over the total. Pacers in Indiana. Right now in Indianapolis, up by 14. They're minus 6 and now up by 16. Just 30 seconds left there. This game's already gone over the high total of 243. It's hit 252, 134 to 118. Pacers up by 16. And, uh, again, laying 6. They're going to get that win and the cover. Knicks blowing out the Spurs. Wembenyama, the youngster, getting a little taste of Madison Square Garden. And not a good feeling because he has struggled mightily in this game. Knicks got off to a quick start. And Hubie Brown calling the game. As color commentator, how about Hubie Brown in his 50th year, 5-0, baby, 50th year as a color commentator. Hubie Brown is 90 years of age, and he still looks like he can get out there and yell at the players. I like Hubie Brown. I love him, and I think he's an outstanding color commentator, has been for years. Congrats to making it to a a golden anniversary of being a color commentator there for NBA basketball. 93-67, Knicks lead at 206, still to go in the third quarter. Knicks could actually hit 140 in this game. Meanwhile, the Nets have come back from 15 down, now lead the Clippers in Brooklyn at the Barclays Center, 945 to go. Now it's down to three, but still 80-77 Nets as they've erased that big deficit. 57-57, Suns and Bulls, so I'll keep an eye on that. I'll check in and see how Beal's doing. Total 217.5 from the Windy City. That is a halftime score. All Rockets blowing out the Lakers. Remember, I told you, no AD. LeBron's playing, but I don't even know if he's playing. I mean, it looks like they may be playing with three guys. 66-45 to 45 Rockets at the half in H-Town. It was the Lakers minus two. Total 222, so deuces were wild there. But uh, Rockets right now up by 19 big ones at the half. OKC leads Cleveland 70-57 to 57 at the half. They're a plus two as well on the dog side of things at home. Bucks by 10 over the Pistons, 62-52 at intermission in Milwaukee. Minus 12 for Milwaukee, 227 your total. The Grizz at home, man, they have struggled mightily. They trailed the Heat by 8-54-46. That game at halftime, and they were one-and-a-half point home dogs in Memphis Grizzlies. 76-47, all T-Wolves burying the Pelicans. Third quarter just underway there, and the Raptors lead the Mavs. Late second quarter in Big D, 5.14 to go, 48-46 Raptors. Coming up a little bit later, it'll be Trailblazers and Kings. That'll be the Kings minus 8 in Sacktown, 221.5 against the Blazers. Nuggets 
going up against the Warriors and Steph playing some good ball, but the defending champions are still four and a half point home favorites in the Mile High City, 227 and a half. Plenty of college basketball. I will let you know that Syracuse did win by 12, but they were laying 13 and a half to Canisius, did not cover Loyola Chicago. They got beat by Florida Atlantic. The Owls, after making the Final Four last year, six-and-a-half-point road favorites. They won at 75-62 against the Ramblers. Sister Jean's team going down in flames. Ohio U, a win and a cover over Troy, 88-70. And SMU buries the Leathernecks of Western Illinois, 90-53. to Again, UNLV will come up in just a little bit. UNLV now up to a 21-point favorite at Thomas & Mack against Southern. Total, 149-and-a-half. On the ice, 5-3 Ottawa leads Toronto. Third period, 7-20 to go. Washington after two. Skating pass Florida. Florida 3 to 2 and again the Kings and the Knights from the Fortress Knights minus 120 total of 6 over shaded minus 125 means you have to lay 125 to win 100 if you think there'll be more than 6 goals 101.5 FMK Dawn streaming live on that Odyssey app it is Ken Thompson live over here at Steiner's Pub, 1750 North Buffalo. Mark Hoke producing the show. Great producer, outstanding host of the Mark Hoke Show, the best in professional wrestling, Sunday mornings, 8 a.m. to 10 a.m. And we are both right here, 101.5 FM Don, and we both stream live on the Odyssey app, A-U-D-A-C-Y. If you haven't downloaded it, do it now. Live from Vegas, live at Steiner's. I'm Ken Thompson. You're listening to SportsX Radio. I'll be right back with Mark Lawrence. journey little steve perry action right here on a wednesday night hump day happiness over here at steiner's pub kt live 101.5 fmk dawn streaming live on that odyssey app at steiner's pub off a great meal did the uh, lamb chops chipotle style today with a little kick my gosh they were cooked perfectly too and then of course uh went with the signature burger with the home with the sliced up avocado sauteed mushrooms cheddar cheese and uh, the homemade onion rings, outstanding. KT, ready to rock and roll. Got a nice full belly, just kind of kicking back. Uh, Bradley Beal has 11 points, 3 of 11 from the floor, so nothing great. But Wembenyama, my goodness, the kid is struggling at the garden. He is 1 of 9, has 6 points and uh, 3 turnovers, but the crowd getting to him a little bit. Look, the kid's going to be fantastic, but you go to New York for the first time, they're rooting for the Knicks. The Knicks are a pretty good team. Right, right now, 101-72. Knicks by 29 big ones. Fourth quarter just underway. And uh, we'll keep an eye on that game. All the other scores keep updated on the uh, college football. And again, Bowling Green now 28-13 over Kent State. And 35-3 Toledo at the half over Eastern Mish. Miami still leads Akron. That's Miami of Ohio. 10 nothing. 220 to go in that third quarter. We bring on Mr. Mark Lawrence. He, of course, with the great newsletter with the college football, the pro football, basketball has started up now. So Mark will gear up. He, he kind of has his feelers out there, watches all the stuff going down, and then he'll hit the college basketball, the NBA, all that stuff hard, uh, getting to, into the association now. Telling you, Mark, there is just uh, there is no downtime. I mean, literally, if you wanted to take a vacation and you're in our industry and you took like a just a four day weekend, say, you come back and you you got to spend two days working 18, 20 hours a day just to catch up on the four days that you missed. I mean, it's it's very very difficult to take any time off, and that's why we encourage our families no weddings during the fall. <laughs> I love it, Kenny. No weddings during football. That's a good good one. <laughs> Yeah, but if you go anywhere, you have to take an iPad or your phone or something. But it's impossible to stay not stay in touch, especially during football season. 
There you go. All right, so let's get into uh, the college football because it's getting uh, a little bit crazy. I want to get your take because you're a guy that's followed Ohio State and Michigan, the Big Ten, your whole life uh, growing up there in Ohio. What's your take on what's going down? Because from what we're hearing, at least from people inside the know, you know, the, uh, some of the top-notch people there at ESPN, and I know they're privy to probably have some more information, but it sounds like they, it's a little bit more serious than initially we thought, you know, oh, maybe some sign-stealing kind of like. I mean, this could be, you know, right on the, uh, you know, the same parallel basically with what the Houston Astros were doing, you know, with the banging of the trash can. It sounds like it's, it's pretty detailed, it's pretty in-depth, and look, I get it if you want to just suspend the head coach because you feel you've got the goods and he's the captain of the ship so he's got to go down with the ship but look if these kids are part of something that's illegal i don't think they should be off the hook i get it that's where they chose to go and we can play like hey they don't know anything but like i said that's what my dad said it's like lying by omission i mean you know what's going down you're not coming out you're not doing anything and i get it you're in a tough predicament because you don't want to go against your school or your coaching staff and you're under scholarship most of these guys I mean, but at the end of the day, if this comes out and it's as bad as it could be, you know what? They're going to vacate that championship if they ever want it anyway. Well, you know, Kenny, this is like college football's Watergate is what it is. And, you know, there's somebody going to end up paying the price for this, you know, whether it's Michigan or whomever is deeply involved in this. Right now it looks like Michigan and uh, the player that they had going to the stands and filming games and signals and doing all those ugly things. But uh, it's really leaving a black eye and a stain on the world of college football, which it really doesn't need right now at this point. Uh, but I'm going to say this, that I read this today, that the NCAA rule, you got to excuse me, my voice is going in and out of me here. I'm doing all I can to keep my voice with you, bud. Uh, the NCAA rule book says that uh, off-campus in-person scouting of future opponents and using electronic equipment to record these signals is prohibited. That's exactly what's going on. You're sending people to other campuses and you're using electronic equipment to record signals. You're dead in the water. And if you're caught doing that, you have to pay the price. I agree. And uh, I'm with you 100%. All right, let's jump over to some of the games. Uh, Big game tomorrow for Louisville. I mean, all of a sudden you look up and Jeff Brom's team, they only have one loss. It was at Pittsburgh against Narduzzi and the guys, and they'd like to have that one back. No doubt they'd be on a collision course to potentially be playing Florida State in a championship game of the ACC, and both teams could be undefeated. But right now they've got to keep taking care of business and hoping they get to that championship game. Louisville minus 20.5 at home against a Virginia team that looked good a couple weeks ago, got hammered last week pretty good. Louisville minus 20.5, 50.5, a lot of points to give. Where are you on this one, Marco? I'm going to take the points with Virginia here, Kenny. This looks to be me to be the optimum team that uh, good teams, undefeated, one-loss teams at this time of the year tend to play down to the level of. Uh, Virginia's right, so shown on a couple occasions that they can step up and play. They're seven and one to the number of the last eight conference games. Uh, so I think this is a nice spot here for Louisville. Like I say, to get caught looking ahead, Virginia sneaking here and at least get the money. There you go. All right, we'll keep an eye on the Ville. If they take care of Virginia, they go to Miami, and then they have to close with Kentucky SEC opponents. So it'll be interesting. But Jeff Brom, in his first year, doing a bang-up job. Meanwhile, Friday, right here in our backyard, over at Allegiant Stadium, in his first year, Barry Odom, what a job he's doing for the Rebs. Coming over, of course, uh, was at Mizzou, and then, of course, was a coach under Sam Pittman over there at Arkansas. But the Rebs are 7-2, and two, lost a heartbreaker to Fresno State a couple weeks ago, and they actually led Fresno 
Fresno State there in Fresno at the half, but uh, got to give the Bulldogs credit. They had a big second half. UNLV is minus five and a half. It's up from four, 50 and a half the total. And the Rebels not only are winning, Mark, they're covering games regularly this year. And the Vegas fans, they love that because they're backing this team now. Total's 50 and a half. Wyoming, always tough with Craig Bowl and the Pokes. Where are you on this Friday night football from Vegas? It'll be a local 745 kickoff, so 1045, late one, back in Miami for you. Well, a tip of the hat to UNLV. They've had a great season here, Kenny. Uh, seven wins for the season. That's terrific. They're already bowl eligible. Uh, you've got a Wyoming football program coming in here, also bowl eligible. So yeah, this is nice. This can have a taste and feel of two teams that are going to bowl games. Uh, but I'm going to lean to Wyoming in the contest here. You're getting UNLV stepping up and paying a price, things that they're not used to doing. And this is a Wyoming team that's pretty comfortable in this series. They won and covered five of the last six games they played. And I'm a big Craig Bowl fan, as you mentioned here. He's really, really good uh, in a role when he comes off a win and covering and takes points. Give me Wyoming plus the points. All right, I'll pretend your voice went out and you said, take the Rebels, lay the points. Good job, Mark. Okay, uh, <laughs> let me go right to your backyard. I was talking about my backyard here in Vegas for Friday night. Uh, but the team from your backyard, Miami of Florida, Cristobal, and the guys, they're going to head to Tallahassee. Florida State's minus 14 and a half. 50 is your total. And I get it, Florida State. They've got players. They Now, they've been banged up. I'll give them credit because, you know, they're starting wide receiver tandem, you know, with Johnny Wilson and uh, the transfer from uh, Michigan State. He was out as well, Keon Coleman, in the game last week. In fact, a couple of the backup receivers were out as well, but they uh, were able to pull away from Pittsburgh. They got the win. They didn't get the cover. They could have covered. They ended up on the two-yard line as Pitt went late from their own, like, 18-yard line, didn't get it, and then you had to hold on if you took the 21-and-a-half like KT did. Uh, but Miami of Florida, I know they've underachieved, but I still think this is a rivalry game. And Florida State's always had trouble in this rivalry, even when they were really good under Bobby Bowden. They would choke away big games to Miami, and we remember the, the field goal kicks they couldn't make. I just think this game's going to be closer than advertised. Florida State's minus 14.5, total of 50, and I was right on NC State taking out Miami. I, I, I just have a feeling here that Miami's going to stay within a, uh, just a one-score and uh, maybe have a chance to win it. I don't know, but we'll see because it's the first time that Norvell's team's really going to be under pressure against the in-state team. What about it? Who do you like? Miami of Florida catching 14.5 in Tallahassee against the Knolls. It's a big number and a big rivalry game here, Kenny, and uh, this is a Miami-Florida football team that comes off in what appears to be an ugly loss. They only scored six points uh, last week in, against NC State, but you look inside the stats, they actually out-yarded the Wolfpack in that football game. And you got Florida State here, I think, a little bit overpriced because they're the number four team in the country undefeated, which means that the news is getting tighter and tighter around their neck. In a big rivalry game here, I have to take the points with Miami here. I think Miami can win this football game. Yeah, I, I agree with you there. Uh, Georgia right now sitting at number two. They didn't move. I thought maybe they would go back up to number one. They had a tough win against Missouri. Missouri played them tooth and nail. And it, they end up, Georgia ends up winning by nine. But they were trailing in that game at points at home. Now they stay at home. They take on a Mississippi team that their only clunker was against Bama where they only put up ten points. And Georgia, you know, that defense like Bama's, always formidable, especially at home in between the hedges. But I like Jackson Dart. And I know they held on for dear life in Oxford last week, and Texas A&M missed the last second field goal to put that game into overtime. 
I just I cannot lay double digits with this Georgia offense. And again, Bowers trying to push to come back, but if he's not back and not a hundred percent, I cannot lay double digits. I either don't play the game or I play Mississippi. I'm going to take Mississippi in the eleven points. Where are you with Georgia at home against Ole Miss? Oh, I'm not going to play the game myself, Kenny. But if I did, I'd be on the other side. Uh, in this football contest here. You've got Mississippi in off a pretty big win their last football game. This is a bigger game, obviously. The biggest game, uh, no question, of the season for the Rebs. But uh, you've also got uh, Georgia here that's clawing away, trying to take over, take this number one spot from Ohio State in the college football playoff ranking. And they're going to need an impressive win against a ranked football team, which Mississippi checks the box thereof. And the one the one uh, Achilles heel that uh, Lane Kiffin has had in his career is he struggles against undefeated football teams when he's coming off a win. Uh, last three times he's failed to win or cover any three of those football games. I think Georgia makes a statement in this football contest. Yes, yeah, see the out of the uh, out of the teams you know in the top four, I didn't think any of them were really impressive last week. I mean Michigan, I guess beating up on Purdue, a, a weak Purdue team, and they. You know, they took care of business early and put them out of their misery. But Florida State, you know, like I said, offensively, they struggled against Pittsburgh. And Pittsburgh's D is is still, you know, tough at times. And, of course, they handed Louisville their only loss. But both Ohio State, and I'm just saying, I know you're a Buckeyes fan. At the end of the day, they don't get that whacked out pick six, 93 yards. They're in major trouble in that game. That's probably a one-possession game down to the wire. But that was a 14-point swing. And uh, that really changed the complexion of that game. And then, like I said, Georgia, they struggled mightily with Missouri and fortunate to win that game at home. So I I, I thought the teams like Washington, Oregon, Bama, those teams played much better, but they could not move up because they kept everything status quo as far as the top four. So uh, we'll see how uh, things pan out. And it's hard to uh, jump over anybody when they have no losses. The only team that could have done that was Washington. They're still sitting at number five, but it'll all shake itself out if indeed they uh, continue to run the table there in the Pac-12. And we'll find out they play Utah at home this week in Seattle. Let's go to Michigan, Penn State. It's It's staying steady at the Westgate Superbook. It has been four and a half since it opened. The, point, the total has moved a point from 44 to 45, but that's it. And it's a Penn State team that we know the defense is pretty darn good. I mean, they suffocated Maryland last week, and Talia Tungavailoa is a decent quarterback. I should have just listened to you telling me the trend. Look, Maryland never covers against Penn State. The only team I missed on a 17 parlay was freaking Maryland. Unbelievable. Uh, but you know what? I deserve it. That's what I get for going against that Penn State D and they were suffocating. Now, can they slow down Michigan? Because this is the first time, really, that we're going to see how good Michigan is because it's on the road. It's at Happy Valley. It's not a whiteout, but nonetheless, it's an early kickoff there for both teams, high noon. And it's going to be interesting. If Michigan can dominate Penn State, I will second guess as far as the way that I felt with Michigan's schedule being what it was. I'm going to take the Nittany Lions. In fact, I already did. I took them on the money line, and I took them plus the four and a half. I think they win the game. Where are you on this one? I think there's a big number here for a good football team for Penn State to take on their home field, Kenny. You couple that with what's going on with the Michigan program, all this uh, this cheating scandal stuff, which cannot help the program none whatsoever to stay focused for a football game here. I think this is an opportune time for Penn State to pull the upset in this game. And while James Franklin has been picked on, perhaps rightfully so, about stepping up in big games against better opponents, the fact of the matter is 11 times he's played an undefeated opponent. Uh, 
in games in which Penn State is, uh, is allowing 12 or fewer points, which they're doing this year. He's won eight of those football games. It's the staunch defense of Penn State that is it's what's doing the trick for them, and I think it's going to win the football game for them on Saturday as well. All right. Meanwhile, USC off the tough loss to Washington, and Washington was the better team, especially defensively in the fourth quarter, and they score the last 10 points. They win it 52-42 over the Trojans. So USC basically roadkill right now, right? Just throw them to their side of the road and and, and they're done. But Oregon's got to be careful because they will have another shot at Washington more than likely if they take care of business on their schedule. That means a win here, and then they've got to take care of business in their last two games. And uh, those last two games would be at Arizona State and Tempe, and then, of course, Oregon State and that civil war that they used to call it right there in, in, in Eugene. I'm not saying Oregon doesn't win. I liked Oregon more so prior to USC losing because now USC, it doesn't matter. Nobody's even expecting them to be in this game. That's why the line is 15. I know it's Autzen Stadium. End of the day, 15 is still 15 to a pretty high-octane offense. Question is, can Oregon slow down that offense enough to get several scores, you know, to put that distance between themselves and Southern Cal? Did Southern Cal, you know, throw in the towel? Well, they got rid of their defensive coordinator, Alex Grinch, so it shows me that they're still going to fight. And Lincoln Riley coming out saying, we still have a lot to play for. Of course, he's trying to convince himself and the players. They don't have a lot to play for, maybe to get to the Vegas Bowl. Where are you on this one? Oregon minus 15, total 73.5 from Watson Stadium. Because even though the total has dropped down, I still think this game could be a very high-scoring game. I think it can be a high-scoring game as well, Kenny. Uh, the change they made with Alex Grinch with the defensive coordinator certainly cannot hurt the football team. Uh, that was their Achilles heel. We saw that it was on display last week when they just couldn't make a stop at any crucial point of the football game. I'm expecting to see a much better defensive effort from Southern Cal who uh, some people say uh, they're soft. They're softer than the filling of a banana cream donut. Uh, that's how soft this defense is for Southern Cal. I still like this football team. Caleb Williams won the Heisman Trophy last year. He's taking a back seat right now to the other two quarterbacks inside the Pac-12 conference here. Uh, and I think he's going to come and play in this, but, uh, Michael Penix Jr. and uh, Bo Nix. I think Southern Cal, red-faced, embarrassed, gets the money in this contest and takes Oregon right down to the wire. There you go. All right, I'm looking forward to that one. I'll duck one more in. Alabama at Kentucky. I don't think the tide will slip up here, but Stoops, you know, he's still at home, and they are plus 10.5 at the Westgate Superbook. It is 11 pretty much everywhere else in Vegas except for Caesars, also flexing a 10.5. Total's 46. What about Alabama at Kentucky? Any chance the Cats can hang with the tide or the tide just starting to get it together like they did in the second half against LSU at home last week? Well, I think there's a good chance Kentucky can hang with this football team here, Kenny, especially given the fact that Alabama come off of the game they probably wanted the most last week, and they got it in impressive fashion. So can they now keep up to the same level of intensity that they were last week on the road at Kentucky? That's highly doubtful. It's still a Kentucky football team that protects their home turf. They're a very well-coached football team here in double digits. is a lot to lay in Lexington. I'll take Kentucky plus the points. All right, he is Mark Lawrence. Playbook Sports is the website. Get all his plays there. We'll come back. We'll hit the NFL hard. We'll wrap up our number one, Andy Isco, top of our number two, and we close up with Art Dice, Arthur DeCesar, Supervisor, Risk Management, Westgate Superbook. Going to be a fast-moving next hour and 15 minutes right here, 101.5 FMK Dawn, streaming live on that Odyssey app. KT Live at Steiner's Pub, 1750 North Buffalo, with Mr. Mark Lawrence and, of course, Mark Hoke producing the show. You are listening to SportsX Radio. We'll be right back live from Vegas.
Coming back, little magic. Mark Hoke spinning the hits here on a Wednesday night. Hump Day Happiness live at Steiner's Pub KT. Finishing up with Mark Lawrence, Playbook Sports. And Mark, let's jump into the NFL. Good job on college as always. And uh, Andy Isco, your good pal, coming up at 7.05 Pacific time. And then at uh, about 7.40, Art Dice, Arthur DeCesar from the Westgate Superbook. One of Mark Lawrence's hangouts when he gets out to the West Coast. Uh, Let's jump into that. Browns-Ravens game. You're a guy that knows the Browns inside out, and hey, there was a Deshaun Watson sighting, and it was on the field, believe it or not, and had a couple touchdown passes, trying to get over that uh, UCL uh, whatever, or the shoulder or something going on there for a while, bruised shoulder. Uh, is he good enough to put up a fight with a Ravens team that seems to be clicking on all cylinders, offensively and defensively. And the total's 38 in this game, and I have no doubt that if I were going to play the total, I'd play it under. It's already dropped three points, and I I get it. I mean, Baltimore's offense playing good, solid ball and a nice effort by the Browns in the 27-0 whitewash at Arizona last week. But I would only play the under in this game. But the Ravens laying six. It looks like a big number. I think you're going to get a lot of teaser money on the Ravens down to a pick. But I would only play that side just because I haven't seen Watson go up against a real tough defense. Not taking anything away from Arizona, but the Cardinal defense compared to the Ravens defense is night and day. This is a tough one, Mark. You know these teams pretty well. The former Cleveland Browns, the Ravens, minus six against the current Cleveland Browns, 38-year total from Baltimore. This is a rematch, Kenny, as you know, from earlier in the year when uh, Baltimore put a 28-3 beat down on Cleveland. Uh, up in the uh, North Shore up there earlier this football season. So big-time revenge for the Browns coming in here. And I think Cleveland couldn't ask for a better situation to go into with Baltimore, riding high as a kite right now off that big win last week, a bigger win the week before. Uh, If there's one Achilles heel that Baltimore has with Lamar Jackson, who's having an MVP-type season, we have to give him his due, it's that he struggles at home as a favorite laying points. It's, It's just that simple. 13-21 13-21 and 21 to the spread in his career laying points, just 3-8 and eight in division games. Deshaun Watson, I think, is going to really help the Cleveland Browns moving forward here. He has to because they've been playing nothing but backup quarterbacks, and yet they're still a winning football team, 5-3 and three on the season. What wins the game for Cleveland here will be their defense. The number one ranked defense in the National Football League taking on the number two ranked defense in Baltimore. I'll take the number one ranked defense plus the points in this game. Give me Cleveland and the points. There you go. Pretty good defense coming off a bye as well. The Niners minus three. They're at Jacksonville, another team that's playing lights out off a bye. 45-year total. What about it? I mean, Sunshine, Lawrence playing outstanding football, and uh, the Niners suffering three losses in a row before their bye week. Who comes out on top in this one against San Fran, a road favorite minus three in Jacksonville? Well, what you've got is an oddity in this football game here, Kennedy, Kennedy, is the fact that San Francisco is riding in an 0-3 straight up in ATS losing streak. Jacksonville's in a 5-0 straight up in ATS winning streak. Yet San Francisco is the favorite in the football game. And that probably tells you all you need to know. Why could they be favored in the game? Because of the better football team. 
uh, Jacksonville is for them. I think this is a real true step-up game for them. you got San Francisco on that losing skid, as I mentioned here, with a week of rest to get ready for this football contest here. I think it's an ideal spot for Kyle Shanahan to get his football team back on the winning track. And by the way, when you pair up an 0-3 straight-up an ATS team to a 3-0 straight-up an ATS team, those teams, the 0-3 guys are 8-1 and straight-up and 9-0 and to the spread. So it's a good role for San Francisco this particular week. All right. So the Lions off a of bye as well find themselves three-point road favorites. But we also know that L.A. for the Chargers, not the greatest home field advantage. And you know everybody from Michigan will get to Southern, get that's anywhere close to L.A. They're going to get to that game. Why? Because the Lions are in first place and playing good, solid football. And they know they're going to be able to grab tickets. Now the Chargers, solid effort. You know, as far as team-wise, they found a way to get it done against the Jets and that woeful offense. But the Charger defense stepped up nicely, and Joey Bosa was a beast on that field. They'll need more of that. Chargers catching three at home, 48-and-a-half your total against Detroit. It's going to be an interesting one, but I, I think I'd probably side with the Lions as well. It's always tough to go against Herbert and Eckler. Eckler really makes that offense go. I know they're missing Mike Williams, but Keenan Allen's still pretty good. They'll need help elsewhere, but Austin Eckler's a very solid offensive component for that L.A. Charger team. Well, you got a big, big disparity as far as rest is concerned in this football game, Ken, here. It's to what I feel is the better football team. So, too, do the Vegas oddsmakers because they have Detroit favorite in the contest here. But you're bringing them off of of a bye week, and you're bringing the Chargers in off of a Monday night football game. So I think that's a huge advantage in that sense to the Detroit Lions here. Uh, And I'm also looking at Detroit in this contest here, just knowing that the last 13 times the Chargers have faced a team coming off a of bye week. They are 1-12 against the spread, against rested teams. I think Detroit's the better football team. They'll have more fans in the stands, you can, I can guarantee you that, than the Chargers will give me Detroit in this football game. All right, Sunday night game. I'll be there at Legion Stadium. Raiders are a pick at the Westgate Superbook against the Jets. I know they look great against the Giants, but it's still the Giants. I know they hit up the Stogies and, and partied like old John Matuzak and the guys, Alzado and those guys after a victory. At the end of the day, the Jets are off a, a, week, uh, a short week as well, and their offense looked woeful. But, you know, I, I can't uh, just say, say everything's fixed as far as the silver and black, so I, I didn't touch this game monetarily. Where are you on Sunday Night Football? Raiders and Jets a pick, total of 36. Well, the Jets got embarrassed in that football game Monday night, Kenny, and I think they're out to make amends this particular week. And it's fortuitous that they catch a team like the Raiders off of the big win that they were last week with the new interim coach, the new quarterback. Now there's game film on uh, the quarterback and also the new Raider football team. I like the Jets to bounce back here. They were as ugly as ugly can get in that football game. I think they get a reprieve by being away from home in a contest like this. I'll back the Jets in this game. Mark Lawrence, appreciate you gutting it out the way you do it. I know your voice is hurting, but always appreciate you now. You're number nine finishing up SportsX Radio. You're outstanding. Playbook Sports, second to none. Mark, you're awesome. We'll do it again next Wednesday. Same bad time, same bad channel, pal. Thank you, Kenny. I appreciate it. Be well and stay safe. There you go. Mr. Mark Lawrence takes us to the end of hour number one. KT live at Steiner's. Andy Isco coming up top of hour number two. And then Arthur DeCesar from the Westgate Superbook. We keep things rolling with a lot of college and NFL football. Get you caught up on the scores. Preventative Diagnostic Center. All that good stuff. SportsX Radio 101.5 FM Dawn streaming live on that Odyssey app. Man, a Wednesday night here at Steiner's Pub. It is rocking and rolling. And we're going to rock and roll hour number two right after these words.
Welcome back from halftime. It's just after 7 o'clock in the big city. Time to continue America's favorite Las Vegas sports show. Sports X Radio with Ken Thompson. <laughs> yeah. What up? Party's going on. Duh. Going to a party. Sports X Radio with Ken Thompson is brought to you by Hannah Shea Boyle and Rabapudi. Trial lawyers that get results. Steiner's Pub, a true Nevada style pub. Preventative Diagnostic Center. Rob Ritchie, Farmers Insurance. So get ready because Sports X Radio with Ken Thompson starts now. Now. All right, hour number two, live at Steiner's Pub, 1750 North Buffalo, right here at Vegas Drive, inside that Albertson Shopping Center. KT going to get with Andy Isco in just a sec. Thanks to Mark Lawrence, Playbook Sports. Toledo, 42-9. They lead Eastern Michigan on the gridiron after three at the glass ball. 35-19 now. Bowling Green with 6.05 left in the fourth quarter, leading at Kent State, minus 11. So if you have the golden flashes, you need another score there. Uh, Miami of Ohio up 19 at home, 19 nothing, shutting out the Zips, who are living up to their nickname. Uh, Akron catching 17 points, so Miami of Ohio covering right now. 4.25 left in the fourth quarter. On the hardwood, Hornets uh, got plastered by the Wizards by 16, 132-116. Game went over. Sixers held on, beat the Celtics 106-103. They were plus 2.5, didn't need it. They get the win over their arch-rival Boston Celtics by 3, 106-103. Pacers 134-118, a win and cover in a game that goes over against the Jazz. Knicks 126-105, beat the Spurs. Wembenyama had 14 points, 9 boards, but really struggled 4-14 from the floor. Nets 100-93, they beat the Clippers in Brooklyn. Suns lead the Bulls right now, 730 or make it 6.35 to go 98-96, so a two-point game. Grayson Allen has uh, 23 points to lead the Suns right now. Rockets burying the Lakers 109-80, 7.50 to go. Remember, Anthony Davis did not play with hip spasms. Thunder 105-100 lead the Cavs, eight minutes to go, fourth quarter from OKC. How about C wins Pistons 7.15 away from a road win in Milwaukee? Be a good one for Detroit early on, 109-99. They lead uh, Giannis and uh, Dame. And uh, we'll keep an eye on that one. Grizz up two on the Heat, 81-79, 10-30 to go fourth quarter. T-Wolves burying the Pelicans, 111-86, 5-5 to go fourth quarter from Minneapolis. And 84-74, Raptors lead in Dallas against Big D. And uh, Luka Doncic and Kyrie Irving, 84-74, 5-12 to go in the third quarter. Again, Blazers and Kings coming up in eight minutes from now. Seven and a half, Kings favored, 221 and a half. Nuggets, four and a half point favorites at home against uh, Steph Curry. And uh, Golden State, 228 your total in that one. Meanwhile, uh, college basketball, I gave you some scores. I'll get a couple more uh, before I get out of here. But Andy Isco's alma mater took care of business, and they covered. Penn beat Bucknell 80-61, to so i got to duck that one in there. Quakers were minus 14, win it by 19 in a game that stays under the total. Florida and Washington on the ice, 3-3, and they are going to go to overtime. I'm watching that game right here, and Ottawa doubled up on Toronto on the road, 6-3 as a plus-158 underdog in that game. Total of six and a half game flies over. Kings and the Golden Knights going to drop the puck in about two minutes from now over at the Fortress. Again, the Knights minus 120, total of six in that one. Without further ado, I say hello to uh, a consummate pro, a good friend, and an outstanding mind here in the Vegas Valley. I mean, not just sports. Andy Esco is a brilliant man. He's got that Ivy League degree, but he is one of the smartest men that I know. 
And uh, I do. I know a lot of people. And Isco, he's sharper than attack every now and then. He, uh, he'll, uh, he'll get a little dull on me. But uh, you know what? It comes with the territory. Nine-plus years on a Thursday night. And then, uh, well, uh, now on Wednesday nights, Isco making the transition smoothly. AI, how are things going for Vegas Andy 7-Eleven? Things are going well, Ken. Having uh, having a good season, getting set uh, to uh, get uh, stick the toes in the water in uh, college basketball. Monitoring the NBA, ready for that. Uh, it's it's not like it used to be in the NBA where you could use power ratings and things like that. NBA has become much more bo- both an in-play uh, enterprise as well as a picture spots. AI, what is, what is your take on the uh, the Michigan thing? I mean, do you think they just let things go and? And uh, or do you think the Big Ten does step in and do something? You know, maybe with Coach Harbaugh. Well, I think you first of all have to realize it's all about the money, and with Michigan right. having opportunities to do some really good monetary things for the conference, if they can make it into the college football playoffs, I wouldn't be surprised if uh, the uh, Big Ten decides. Uh, that especially if, if Michigan beats Penn State. If Penn State wins, it's a little different story. But if Michigan wins, uh, the Big Ten may say, uh, our investigation is going to take a lot longer than expected. There are many people we have to take a look at, many uh, situations that uh, are coming to light. Uh, we won't have any decision until uh, March or April of next year. Uh, just All just right. a guess on my part, but uh, I think uh, the Big Ten, and uh, you can agree or disagree, I, I would like to firstly see it all taken care of as soon as possible. Um, but uh, I kind of think that uh, there'll be a stalling tactic as far as that goes until we determine if Michigan can make it into the uh, uh, into the college football playoff. And I guess the, I guess the best thing would be is if Michigan uh, ends up losing to Ohio State and Ohio State is unbeaten and then goes on and wins the Big Ten championship. I don't know that given the circumstances surrounding Michigan, they would want to take a second team from the Big Ten, especially if a team like Florida State goes unbeaten, uh, perhaps Washington goes unbeaten. And then it comes down to the one-loss teams, and uh, maybe you take a look at a team like a Texas. Uh, if they go through the rest of the schedule, maybe you take a look at a team like Alabama, who I, I would have put Alabama first, but when you look head-to-head, Texas won at Alabama. So both of those teams end up, say, 12-1 and after winning a conference championship game. Uh, Alabama might get the nod, and then, uh, then uh, things can take their course as far as uh, handling the Michigan situation. There you go. Good stuff. That all said, Michigan, four-and-a-half-point road favorites in Happy Valley. Who do you like? Who do I like and who will I bet may not necessarily be the same things. In fact, I like Penn State because of how well they've been playing all year. But once again, it's a uh, it's a big game for James Franklin. He struggled in those situations. We saw it in their earlier test this year against Ohio State. Now I guess the cynic in me would say, well, let's ask uh, Penn State if uh, they've been covering up their signals so that Michigan doesn't know what they're playing because that will make a big impact. In fact, just going back to a moment, I'm sure you heard the comments from Sonny Dyke of TCU after the game last year in which Michigan uh, uh, came up uh, against them and almost beat them. And uh, basically they said they knew every play we were going to run. Wow. Wow. That is absolutely unbelievable. Okay. I I did not hear that. I would like Penn State to win, uh, but it's really difficult to bet on them. I suppose I would have to take them simply because of how good a team they are. But in the back of my mind, would I be surprised if they lose and don't cover? No. All right. Uh, yeah, good stuff. Good take there. Uh, let me uh, cruise on down. Uh, what about Oklahoma State, who gets the big win against Oklahoma, the last bedlam we're going to see for a while? They're going to Orlando against Central Florida, 
who doesn't have a great record, but it's a pesky team, well-coached. Okie State, a two-and-a-half-point road favorite at UCF, total of 64. Something tells me UCF's going to win this game. Where are you on this one? Well, you know, you may be right. Uh, this would normally be a spot where you would want to play against Oklahoma State. A, they've won, what, four or five in a row right now after a disappointing start. And B, the last win was that big win in the final game of the Bedlam Series against arch-rival Oklahoma, which uh, effectively knocked Oklahoma out of the possibility or probability of playing for the Big Ten, uh, excuse me, Big 12 championship game. So uh, it could be a lot of celebrating that uh, may be taking its toll. At the same time, you almost wonder if the public is, if, if, they, if the linesmaker is daring you to take Central Florida with such a short line, Oklahoma State being favored. I mean, what much more, what more, much more does Oklahoma State have to do to prove that they're a really good football team? In fact, in many ways, you could say Oklahoma State in the Big 12 is kind of like Missouri in the SEC, where they get overlooked, and yet Missouri up until, of course, the game against Georgia, where they were competitive, they just kept winning and winning and winning. They had that one slip-up earlier in the year at home against Kansas State, uh, but that's been it. So uh, I probably have to pass this game because the situation says bet Central Florida. At the same time, I'm not getting enough points with Central Florida considering the way that uh, Central Florida's played. And I'm not sure they ever really recovered from that game against Baylor when they led 35-10 entering the fourth quarter and gave up 26 points and lost. They did have one since then. Last week was another close loss against Cincinnati. So uh, I probably stay away from the game. I'd like to play Central Florida. The lines makers telling me to play Oklahoma State with the short is telling me to play Central Florida, telling the public to play Oklahoma State with the short line. So when I put all that together, if I were to play the game, I'd almost be compelled to go. take the underdog. I hear you. All right. Uh, Ole Miss at Georgia. I took the 11. Mark Lawrence said he's not so sure. He'd probably go Georgia if he did play it, but he's not playing the game. Total's 58. And I know Mississippi, sometimes they look like they have a game like last week. They got a nice double-digit lead on A&M, but they let them come back. And again, A&M misses a field goal there at the end to put it into OT. So, you know, I think back to that game as well uh, when Ole Miss played Alabama and they only put up a 10 spot because we know Georgia's defense, even though they've lost a ton of guys to the NFL over the last couple of years, is still pretty formidable. In between the hedges, they're laying 11, 58 the total. I'm going to give Jackson Dart and Ole Miss a shot to stay under 10 in this one, and I'm just hoping that Ole Miss brings an A-plus effort after holding on for dear life against A&M last week. What's your take on this one? Again, with Bowers uh, not, uh, I mean, I'm seeing that he's running, but I don't know, you know, how effective he'll be if he does jump back in the lineup, and I know McConkie's still banged up, so uh, that that's concern for me as far as the offense with Beck at quarterback having enough solid targets. I know they may be able to run the ball a little bit, but I think Ole Miss's defense is adequate. Yeah, uh, you know, A and M five and four hard to believe. They may be the best five and four team in the country, and then just uh, don't always get the right coaching and just come up short like they did again last uh, week. Although certainly, you know, they had their opportunity. I would tend to uh, agree with you as far as Ole Miss goes. In fact, I see the line. I wanted to see if it goes up a little bit. It's actually come down in a couple of places from eleven to ten and a half. So if I play the game, uh, and I do like Ole Miss, you know, this is a team that has only that one loss to Alabama. Otherwise, they've played you know very solidly all year. 
year, uh, I would, uh, I would, I'd like to try and find a way to play Mississippi. The thing that, that again crosses the mind with Georgia, we know how good a team they are. Now it was earlier in the season, but remember Kentucky came in there unbeaten and uh, they were full of confidence. They had been playing well, and Georgia laid a number on them. So we know Georgia is capable of doing it. I think Mississippi is a much better team than Kentucky. But you're still going up against that Georgia defense. So uh, I, I, if I play the game, I would reluctantly take the points with, uh, with Ole Miss. There you go. All right. Uh, let's move on down. What's your take on UNLV, the Friday night game? I'm going to jump back up there because I know Mark's looking at the pokes of Wyoming. But UNLV, I mean, Barry Odom is really doing an incredible job. And I'm just hoping UNLV can you know, lock him up and keep him under contract for a while, not let him get away to any Power 5 schools. We know he's got pedigree from his Missouri days and then, of course, an assistant at Arkansas. So you're coming out of the SEC, coming into the Mountain West and just flexing your muscles there in the first year. And, you know, they blew the halftime lead against Fresno State, and that's not an easy place to win. But at the end of the day, they know they were good enough to be in that game and have a chance to win it. Now you're home, you're laying five and a half. And the, the advantage, I feel, for UNLV in this game is that it is indoors at Allegiant Stadium, and I think they take advantage of their speed. And I don't think Ricky White, unless they, you know, are really getting, you know, after it, you know. But if you double cover White all night, you got some other play, players like DeJesus that can get open, and they can run the ball. they got four solid running backs. I think UNLV is going to roll in this game. It's going to take them a little bit because of Wyoming's defense, which is pretty solid. But I think UNLV ends up winning this game by double digits, Andy. Where are you on Friday night, Wyoming at UNLV? Rebs minus 5.5, 50.5. Yeah, I, uh, I laid, uh, I think, four and a half with the, the Rebels earlier in the week. I wanted to see if it was going to head down to four, which is a much better number, but it started going up to five, and now we're seeing a lot of five and a halves out there. In fact, I even see at uh, one of the local places, the Rebels are now a, a six-point favorite. Yeah, I, I like the way this, this, this Rebel team has really played all year. Uh, I think you mentioned it uh, earlier about uh, uh, UNLV arguably being the second-best team uh, that uh, Michigan has faced this year. Um, and, you know, it's certainly, uh, uh, certainly an argument to be made. In fact, I think I mentioned it to you a few weeks ago when we talked about UNLV and the job Barry Odom's doing, and I said that, you know, you can really make a case for Barry Odom being in contention for Coach of the Year honors. And if he were doing this at a Power Five instead of a Group of Five team, he'd get serious consideration. When you take over a program that's had the, the, the poor history that UNLV's had really for about the past two decades or, or more, what he's done is absolutely amazing. This team has played tremendous football all year, and let's give the defense credit for making some plays too. And uh, you know, UNLV also has some of the best, best special teams in the nation, in addition to the office that they've shown. So, I like them to take uh, take out Wyoming. Not sure if it could be double digits, but I wouldn't be surprised if it's if it's you know eight ten point win, which would be double digits, maybe even a little bit more. I think that uh, uh, they're going to have a very good crowd here this weekend, and I think the the team, after not playing before big crowds, is really feeding off the energy of the crowd at home this year. He is Andy Isco. Follow him on X, formerly known as Twitter, at VegasAndy711, at VegasAndy711, uh, using the numbers there. Uh, AI, how about this total from Rutgers, Iowa? It was 32 when it opened. It's down to 28 at the Westgate Superbook. 28 is the freaking total in a 60-minute college game. Iowa's minus one. Rutgers right there with Ohio State. And, again, I talked about that pick six. It was a wacky deflection. Uh, one guy is not even looking at the ball it hits him and then hits another guy who's just back there to kind try and get there in case you know they need help on the tackle but he's behind the play and he's able to get it it's a great athletic play and then he turns around and is able to go 93 yards for a touchdown totally changed the complexion of that game 
Uh, Rutgers now has to regroup and go to Kinnick Stadium. I think Iowa is the right side. I know Mark Lawrence is on Iowa as well. And it's not that Iowa has much, but they do have home field advantage. And they do have a staunch defense, and they're always good in the trenches. And I think it's going to be tough for Rutgers to get back up off the mat, get back into practice, probably physically beat up a little bit, and then get ready to go to Iowa. I know it's going to be an ugly game, but if I only have to lay one point with the Hawkeyes, I'm going to lay it. Well, you know, you look at Rutgers and the season they've had under Shiano, they're already bowl eligible with six wins, so... Uh, They've accomplished one of their goals. In fact, obviously, they lost to uh, Iowa State, uh, to uh, excuse me, to Ohio State last week. Uh, they had already been bowl eligible in that game. Iowa, uh, you know, they are also bowl eligible. A very ugly seven and two record, and the line actually opened as low as twenty nine in a few places, and it's been bet down. I see a twenty eight out there now for the total. Uh, you know, if you can't find a compelling reason to uh, uh, to play the over in this game, and it's hard to find one, I think you have to pass because it doesn't take many things to go wrong uh, for you to get twenty eight points in a sixty minute game. Yet, if you had played over a number of those low totals involving Iowa the last uh, few weeks, uh, you would have lost uh, most of those games. So I've got to pass on the, uh, on the, on the, on the total in that game. Uh, I, I keep going back and forth between Rutgers because even though it's a low total, it's still below a field goal, the line, and that's almost begging you to take Iowa, which may be a reason for me to look towards Rutgers. Last one I'm going to throw in at you is a Mountain West game. It's very interesting to me. I like San Jose State, and I know Fresno State came back and got a win last week, and they still have a great chance to win that conference. But Cordero's pretty good, and they come off uh, you know, some rest there, and they're at home. It's a pick game. I think San Jose State beats Fresno State, and i got to say that quietly. I'm hoping Panish isn't listening. This is Alma Mata, of course, the Bulldogs at PSBR Law. Brian Panish, senior partner. Your take here, pick game, San Jose State at home against Fresno State. I've liked this Fresno State team all year, even the way they uh, played from behind against Wyoming. They won loss when they won, lost on the road. Uh, but you can make a very good case for uh, San Jose as well. They've won three in a row. They've uh, uh, they've covered, uh, what, six, I think, six, two, and one in their ninth games a year. So they've basically exceeded expectations. Uh, the last three games uh, in that winning streak against New Mexico, Utah State, and Hawaii, 52, 42, and 35 points. So they can move the football and they can score some points. At the same time, Fresno's also on a game where the uh, streak where uh, in winning their last three games, they scored over 30 points. I I like the pedigree of Fresno State. It is a rivalry. Fresno State has had great success, except for a period about 10 years ago, uh, eight to 10 years ago, when San Jose won three out of four years. Now Fresno's won three out of four years. I like both coaches. I like the experience uh, on the Fresno State sideline. It is a pick'em game. Fresno State has won on the road this year. Um, I think I think the past performance and just the overall better recruiting. San Jose State's improved their recruiting, but I don't know that they're quite yet at the level overall roster-wise uh, as Fresno State. And I like Fresno State and what's a big game because it's quite possible that uh, you know UNLV is also in contention. I think they and Fresno are four and one now. Fresno does have the tiebreaker of, over UNLV, and of course Air Force unbeaten in conference play, even though they suffered that loss to Army last week. That doesn't hurt them for conference play. So it's an important game for Fresno State and especially even more important if UNLV happens to win on Friday night. So Fresno State will know that, yeah, they have to keep winning to maintain that number two seed. If, uh, if, uh, uh, if UNLV happens to lose to Wyoming, well, Fresno State would still be side, but then, then you'd have a couple of other teams in the conference uh, with only two losses. 
He is Andy Esco, and uh, well, I think that one's going to be uh, one of those that's going to get your heart going, which brings us uh, segue-wise to Preventative Diagnostic Center, Dr. John Pearson Company. They've got a great hidden gem here in the Vegas Valley, but it's not hidden any longer. Now in year number four, the Preventative Diagnostic Center, I mean, they've got the only scanner of its kind in the region, gives you early detection before signs and symptoms of more than two dozen ailments like heart disease and lung disease. That's right, the Preventative Diagnostic Center. You can check out the website, pdcenterlv.com, pdcenterlv.com. Comfortable scan takes a few minutes. A few days later, you get a detailed report from a board-certified radiologist. They have the heart CT scan and calcium score special, which is unbelievable. It's a $600 value to get your heart checked out. Make sure those arteries aren't all clogged up. It's $125, so you save $475 there. Better than that, your significant other absolutely free. So the two of you, total 125 get in there, $1,200 value. Early detection is key. Get peace of mind. Take charge of your health. Preventative Diagnostic Center. You know the 702 area code for Vegas, 534 534-7900. 534-7900. You give them a call, leave your name and number. They'll get back to you. Schedule the free educational consultation. You let them know KT Sports X Radio sent you. You'll be glad you did. Again, demographically, got to be between the ages of 40 and 72. Live from Steiner's Pub, 101.5 FM K-Dawn, streaming live on the Odyssey app. Ken Thompson, Andy Isco, SportsX Radio on a Wednesday night. Hump Day Happiness, live at Steiner's Pub. We'll be right back. Coming back here on a hump day, KT rocking and rolling. Andy Isco with me. We'll get into the NFL. Speaking of NFL, former NFL player Matt Ulrich, 41 years of age, was on that 2006 Colts championship team that won the Super Bowl, uh, passed away at age 41, no cause of death. And uh, we will keep updated uh, that according to team owner Jim Ursay that came out earlier today, was a reserve offensive lineman, played a couple seasons for the Colts, was part of that 2006 team. So, uh, again, our prayers for the family over there. Matt Ulrich dead at the age of 41. Get back with Andy Isco. Jump into the NFL. Got a few minutes here for AI to give us some good uh, action on the games. And, of course, Andy has the, uh, the logicalapproach.com. That is his site and does a great job. So much information. Has been doing it for a long time. AI, what about uh, – let me jump into a couple of the games. How about Texans and Bengals uh, coming off the effort that Stroud had uh, was phenomenal, 470 yards passing and five touchdown passes, no interceptions. I mean, this did not look like the same kid that we thought we were going to see out of Ohio State. I mean, eventually maybe, but really stepping it up. And I really like the kid. He's got a lot of moxie and a lot of class, a lot of charisma, and a heck of a leader right now going up against one of the best in the business when he's healthy, Joe Burrow. Right now, even money, if you lay the Bengals in seven, there are – Six and a half elsewhere, but inside Vegas, pretty much everybody's got it at seven, even money. Total of 47 and a half. Texans, Bengals from Cincy on Sunday. 
Yeah, I haven't played it yet. I wanted to see if this game goes up. If the public can bet it up to seven and a half, I'll be interested in playing uh, the Texans, who have really played some very good defense for much of the season. It's kept them competitive in a number of games. Now, all of a sudden, they're starting to win and win impressively. And at four and four, they've got an opportunity to uh, uh, contend for the playoffs if they can continue on that track. Of course, Cincinnati now five and three, making up for some of those games early in the year that they might have won if they had a if they had a healthy Joe Burrow. Uh, we see him very healthy right now. I was not surprised. In fact, I liked him quite a bit the other uh, night, Sunday night against uh, uh, against Buffalo. Uh, so I think Cincinnati wins, but I would not be surprised if uh, you, know, you go back and you point to other situations like when Seattle came in there and Cincinnati didn't win very pretty. Uh, they won 17-13. I wouldn't be surprised if this is a, uh, a lower scoring game than expected, although the total has gone up from 44 to 47 and a half in a lot of places. I even see 48s out there. I'll probably look first to play the under and secondarily if I can get at least the seven and if it, they come in and even move it the other way so it's minus 20 on the minus seven and even money on the plus seven or seven and a half uh, even at the minus 10, I'll look towards uh, play, a potential play on, uh, on Houston. All right, Derek Carr and the guys got the win over the Bears. Now they travel to Minnesota, who got a surprise win after losing rookie quarterback Jaron Hall, goes down with the injury, and who steps in? Joshua Dobbs. Yeah, he knows the first names of most of the guys, but not all the names, and uh, finds a way to get it done with a couple touchdown passes, one late with uh, just over a minute to go. What about it in this game? Saints minus 2.5 at Minnesota, 41 Will you stay with Dobbs, or you think that's just uh, an outlier there and uh, maybe look at Derek Carr and the Saints? Because Saints aren't playing consistent enough ball to be favored on the road. Yeah, it wasn't the Dobbs, the quarterback, when the Cardinals beat the Cowboys earlier this year. So he's uh, uh, he's been playing well uh, when he was with Arizona. It came in in relief. He was not expected to play last week. He was expected to be the backup until uh, they had the uh, the injury. Uh, I, I agree with you this on on the look at the Saints. I had the Saints last week against Chicago. You could argue that they should have covered, even though. Chicago was really the right side for much of the game. The guy misses a short field goal that would have put the Saints up by 10. And then at the end of the game, if, if the Saints don't get that first down on third down, they kick a field goal to go up by 10 in the final minute uh, of that game. But uh, all in all, I did not get the effort out of the Saints that I would have liked to have gotten. And in fact, I was more impressed with Chicago in that game than I was with the Saints as Chicago was able to uh, uh, to move the football against uh, what had been a very good Saints defense. So I also feel uncomfortable at almost as asking you again at 2 and a half uh, to, uh, uh, to to lay the two and a half under the field goal. Although I will say, at Circa, there's the one place in town where the game opened at three, and the money did come in initially on Minnesota. Uh, how long can uh, Dobbs be the answer in Minnesota? Well, you know he's been serviceable with uh, Arizona before the trade. I'll stay away from this game. My numbers would support uh, the Saints, but. I'm not comfortable with the way that they've been in and out as far as form is concerned. They've basically underperformed this year. I thought they had it together two weeks ago uh, with that big win that they had, uh, but uh, they were unable to follow that up with, uh, with a similarly spirited performance last week against Chicago. What about 49ers at Jags? Niners minus three, total 45 off the bye, trying to regroup after dropping three in a row against the Jaguar team. It's found a, a way to just uh, keep on winning. London a couple times and come back to the States, haven't missed a beat. Yeah, and uh, Debo Samuel has been out for a few weeks, has been limited in practice, so there is still some question as to whether he may or may not be available for the 49ers, and clearly uh, his uh, presence uh, has been missed. 49ers losers of three in a row, as you point out, scoring just 17 points in each of those three games. 
if this were a different situation and the 49ers were not struggling with three losses in a row, A, they'd probably be more than a three-point favorite in this game, and B, I'd probably look towards Jacksonville. But this is still a quality football team that, when healthy, may be the best all-around, the best balanced team in the NFL. Uh, they've had that bye week, as had Jacksonville. Both teams are coming off buys, but I look for the 49ers to, uh, uh, to get the win here. It may not be pretty. It may be like only six to ten points, but I expect them to cover the field goal in a win. All right, Jets and Raiders at the Westgate Superbook is a pick em, total 36. We all know the story with the Raiders. I was there. It was fun to watch. And, uh, you know, the end of the day, I'm just hoping they can get the win. But we know the Jets' defense is pretty suffocating at times. It's just the offense that's woeful. Raiders uh, have a little bit more rest if they uh, did indeed get some rest after smoking the stogies and partying a little bit. But what's your take on Raiders at home against the Jets? Pick them 36 from Allegiant. Yeah, it's interesting when I when I do look at the uh, uh, the stats for these teams, uh, the difference in the uh, Jets versus the uh, uh, for the Raiders in defense is not as great as as, as one might think. Uh, the numbers are certainly uh, supportive of the Jets being the better team, uh, and offensively, uh, the Raiders have the better potential. I, I think last week, and I was very right on last week's uh, game. I think we talked about it because it was the night after the uh, the firing. I said there was a huge burden lifted off the entire organization, the locker room, the fans, the the internal uh, people in the organization uh, with the departure of McDaniels. And I think we saw it. It was a loose team. It was an energetic team. And I think that can carry over for a few games. And really, when you look at the difference between the Jets and the team they beat last week, the Giants, both of these teams have been struggling offensively. And I think the Raiders have shown improvement on defense. Again, not quite at the level as the Jets, but a lot closer than you might think. And, uh, you know, you've got uh, you know O'Connell. He started against the Chargers, uh, so there was uh, some film earlier, and he had a good game last week. I don't know that uh, the Jets have the better quarterback. They certainly have the more experienced quarterback in Zach Wilson's, but Wilson's been very inconsistent. I like the, Ra- the Raiders again this week. I don't think it'll be 30-6, to six, but I wouldn't be surprised if it does stay under the total, which is a low uh, 36 right now. I'm looking, though, for the Raiders to get something like maybe a 20-13, to 20-16 type win. All right, you got the Andy Isco special. Pick any game, give it out, and we'll finish it up that way. Uh, let's go with the Monday night game. Buffalo uh, against uh, Denver, of course. Buffalo, you wouldn't have thought that at the midway point of the season, Buffalo would be 5-4. and four. Now, One of the preseason favorites, along with Kansas City and Cincinnati, to uh, win the AFC, if not the Super Bowl. Uh, they've got to, some making up to do because they're in danger. When you take a look at their upcoming schedule, I think they play Philadelphia, Kansas City, and Dallas. Three games, not back-to-back-to-back. To back to back. There's a bye after, I think, the, uh, the first game there. So that's a tough stretch. You're looking at a team right now with four losses. They're going up against the Denver team that has played better recently, and maybe the momentum that they build with those uh, wins right before the break comes in a bad time with that bye. The momentum has stopped. We, we've seen that uh, in the past. Teams on a run. We wonder if that'll be the same thing with the Jacksonville-San Francisco game. Jacksonville's won five in a row. All of a sudden, they don't get the play. 49ers uh, lost three in a row. Okay, they get time off to regroup. Well, I think uh, Denver may be in a similar situation. They are improved. Buffalo still the better football team. I'm going to look for uh, a, a good effort out of Buffalo, uh, especially following that key loss last week to Cincinnati. Buffalo's not thinking about home field advantage right now. They're not thinking about winning the AFC East. They have to be thinking about just making the playoffs, and they're far the better team. Great stuff as always. The original AI, Mr. Andy Isco, best in the biz, man. Appreciate you always, man. Wednesdays, Thursdays, doesn't matter what night I get you, Andy. You're outstanding. 
And uh, thanks for all the info. We'll talk to you next week, pal, and hope to get you into Steiner's real soon. But thank you so much, as always, for taking time out. Always enjoy it, Ken, and I will uh, effort again uh, to make it in the near future, possibly even next week. There you go. All right. We'll see if we can't get you in here with that nice, uh, nice fat meal, man. Appetizer, dinner, dessert, everything, AI. Food's a very good incentive. I know it is. I know it is, no doubt. All right, SportsX Radio, one more segment coming up with Mr. Art Dice 21, Arthur DeCesar, supervisor, Westgate Superbook. He'll be back. He's going to hit me on five college games, five pro games, as we wrap up a Wednesday night hump day happiness live at Steiner's Pub, 1750 North Buffalo, one of three in the Vegas Valley to serve you. All three establishments, 24 hours a day. Got to be 21 and older. They've got happy hours. They've got everything going on right now. VGK, no score, 1125 to go from the Fortress. That's on, and there's all types of things going on at all three Steiner's Pub locations. Take a break, come back, wrap things up. Producer Mark Hoke takes us to our final break on 101.5 FMK Dawn. We stream live on that Odyssey app, A-U-D-A-C-Y. If you miss any part of the show, go back, use the Odyssey Rewind feature, or you can follow at Ken Thompson 87 at SportsX Radio. Archives will be pinned at both those X handles, formerly known as Twitter, about 45 minutes after the broadcast ends. Live from Vegas, live at Steiner's Pub, I am Ken Thompson. Coming back Uh, Live at Steiner's Pub. We'll be right back to wrap things up. Well, now it's three o'clock in the morning. And I can't even close my KT coming back, little 3 o'clock blues. I'm having some blues right now over here at Steiner's because I'm looking at this UNLV running Rebel score, and I'm not happy. Southern leading by 16. Are you kidding me in the first half? 34 to 18, 218 left. Thomas and Mack, Revs better wake up, already turned it over 10 times in the first half, only two for Southern. Jaguars do have a game under their belt. This is the opener for the running Revs, and uh, one of their better players is suspended for this game, but uh, they got to get it together right now. Uh, Southern 5 of 7 from downtown. The Revs just 3 of 16, and again, 11 turnovers now. It is 35 to 18 with 2.05 to go. Keep an eye on this one, but right now we got to get into uh, Mr. Art Dice 21, my main man, Arthur DeCesar, supervisor. Risk management, just let you know how important he is to Jay Cornegay and the staff over there at the Westgate Superbook. Dice, man, I mean, you got eligibility left, man. i got to get you out there and knock some threes down for the Revs, man, bring them back in this game. Uh, not a good start, but, again, still plenty of time to go. But we got lots of uh, college basketball or college football, lots, lots of college basketball down the line. You and I love our college hoops. Uh, but right now we got to get into some college football, and there are some good games coming up. And I want to get your take on that Penn State-Michigan game because uh, I played Penn State. Andy Isco, I think, may have taken a shot on Penn State. Mark Lawrence as well. Uh, it's just, uh, you know, everything going on with Michigan. And uh, But, again, it's, it's Happy Valley. I know it's not a great offense, at least as of yet. Uh, got shut down by the only quality team that they've played in, in, in Ohio State. Uh, but what's your take, Michigan and Penn State, Happy Valley? Is it still a good enough home field advantage that uh, the Nittany Lions can pull it out against Harbaugh's guys? You know, KT, it definitely can be. Right now, sitting Michigan minus four and a half, total of 45. Really, the only thing to note of the game for us is we took sharp money on the over 
But I think you're right. I think if you're going to catch Michigan, this is time to catch them. And obviously Penn State is a worthy foe. They obviously didn't get it done against Ohio State. They struggled mightily offensively. But they hung in the game. I mean, they were able to hang with Ohio State, who is currently number one in the college football playoffs. So I think if you're going to take Penn State or, you know, go against Michigan, now's the time. Yeah, I'm going to take a – well, I did take a shot already. What about Utah-Washington? Because Washington, you know, they outlast USC. SC's defense, of course, was, you know, Swiss cheese and then some. But Alex Grinch gets canned after that game by Lincoln Riley. Uh, Washington – we know the offense is good, but we do know that they had a clunker up there as well in Seattle at home against Arizona State when they only scored 15 points and 12 of that in the fourth quarter because they trailed that game. And in that game, they only had 13 yards on the ground in 13 carries. They put up over 250 against Southern Cal. I'm just wondering, Utah, you know, we've seen some really solid games, but Oregon really took care of them big time at Rice-Eccles. So who do we see in this game? That's what... Uh, the odds makers want to know, and that's, of course, what the players and betters want to know from Seattle, Utah, and Washington. And, uh, you know, double digits there for the Huskies, favored over uh, Utah. Where are you at right now as far as that line? Yeah, right now, Washington, nine-and-a-half point home favorite. Total is now 51. That's come down from 53-and-a-half. So a lot of movement to the under. Look-ahead line in the summer on this was Washington minus four. So obviously a big swing there. When we reopened it, we reopened at Washington minus nine. Spend some money on Washington, but it's been public money. And I think if you like Washington in the game, you probably like the over. If you like Utah in the game, you probably like the under. Washington usually goes over at home, so be interesting. I think Washington's on a dream type of season. It's a big number to lay, but I think they will get it done. It's a big game for Washington. And then Missouri, I mean, they gave it all they could in between the hedges at Georgia. And they were right there in that game. My goodness, that was a good one. Meanwhile, they got to now regroup. Now, they are at home in Columbia, but they've got Tennessee coming in, and we know the Vols can put up offense. In fact, the Volunteers are one-and-a-half-point favorites last I saw there at the Superbook, 58-and-a-half year total. Break this one down for me because Drinkwitz is doing a nice job, and they were right there in that game two years in a row. They played Georgia as well as anybody. There's no doubt. We talked about it last week. That was a big number, 16 points. It was too much. Georgia doesn't cover a lot of spreads anyway. This is wild. Look ahead line on this game over the summer. Tennessee minus 11. Tennessee, both their losses are on the road. I think if you're going to take a shot, take a shot with Missouri on the money line, plus 105. I think Missouri will get it done. I understand maybe it's a letdown after having to play Georgia last week and not coming away with the win. But I think they'll be ready to go. This Tennessee team isn't as good as last year, obviously. Missouri gets it done at home. I agree with you because the game was at Georgia. So you can say, hey, look, we were right there. Yeah, we, were, we had a chance to win. We didn't win. But it was at Georgia in between the hedges against a team that hasn't lost in forever. So, you know, if they had lost in Columbia last week like they did last year, then a little tougher to get over it, especially when you were in the game to the bitter end like they were. So I agree with you there. What about Ole Miss and Georgia? Because now Georgia stays home. And it's a good Ole Miss team. But, you know, then you see the defense break down and blow a double-digit lead nearly against A&M. And fortunate that the Aggies missed a late field goal to put that game into overtime. I'm a Jackson Dart fan. I know he's a former Southern Cal kid uh, quarterback, but he's from Utah, and he's tougher than nails. I just like him a lot, and he's the leader there for Ole Miss. And I I know they had the clunker against Bama, and Bama played probably their best defensive game early on when they held Mizzou, or uh, I'm sorry, held Ole Miss to 10 points. 
But I'm thinking Missouri, I mean, uh, Mississippi Ole Miss is good enough to uh, stay in this game inside 10. Where are you on this one? I'm with you, KT. Minus 11, Georgia right now, total of 58. Total has come down a point from 59. Listen, Georgia wins all their games, but they've only covered three of their games this year. I understand most of their games are double-digit, two-touchdown type of spreads. This is obviously another one that's going to be over 10, 11 points. I think Old Miss, you have a chance late with maybe a backdoor cover. Old Miss, I think, will stay within the number. All right, so Florida State, you know, I know uh, Travis has been without his receivers now. We know Johnny Wilson should be back. He's practicing. Not sure on the Keon Coleman deal. That could be closer to kickoff as far as him going. You know, Alex Atkins, the offensive coordinator, needs to have all those guys on deck if they're going to cover against Miami. And it's not that it's a good Miami offense. We know it struggles big time, Van Dyke and the guys. But the defense, everybody's going to get up. These kids all know each other for the most part. They're all Florida kids. And you're going to lay more than two touchdowns. I mean, I get it. Florida State, maybe they get it done. But the offense, you know, they struggled against Pittsburgh. Miami's going to have to get one of the first two scores, I think, and then maybe, you know, stay in this game. But I could only take the points, and I know Florida State's got explosiveness if everybody's healthy, but they haven't been, and I think Miami's going to keep this one close. They want to win the game. They're not worried about covering a spread. I think the Canes are the right side. Where are you? No doubt about it. And I think actually, to me, my favorite play is the under. Total is 50. Ten of the last 12 has gone under. Public took Miami at 14 and a half. I think that's just taking a number. You said it. These teams know each other. This is Miami's Super Bowl. They want to knock Florida State out from the unbeatens. I probably wouldn't want to lay the number with Florida State. They'll win the game, but I think the play is under 50. There you go. All right, let's, uh, let's jump over to the uh, NFL and uh, get over there and get into some good games. Let's see. we got uh, about five minutes and five games to get to. Texans, Bengals, where we'll start it off. Joe Burrow looks healthy. And my goodness, C.J. Stroud looked as healthy as ever last week. What an effort. Where are we on this one? Where are we on the line? Last I saw seven and even money on the Bengals. Uh, where are you on that one? Same thing, KT. Minus seven Bengals, even money. That means if you take Houston plus seven, you're laying $1.20. Totals come down a little bit. It was 48 and a half, now 47 and a half. I think a lot of people are going to come and want to play the Texans getting the seven. Cincinnati's going to be popular in all teasers and all money line parlays. I think Burrow is healthy again. I think Cincinnati rolls. I think they are showing kind of this late-season form that they find every year. There you go. Meanwhile, San Fran off the bye, and the number that we see most games get decided by in the NFL 3 is what they're flexing on the road in Jacksonville, and the Jags just keep finding ways to win. Niners dropping three in a row. Purdy not looking so good in those three losses. But the Niners, do they regroup? Are they able to get it together in Debo Samuel? Without him, the offense is totally different. Where are you on Niners laying three at Jacksonville? It certainly is. They give Jacksonville all the credit in the world. They've been great. They're 6-2. and two. San Francisco laying three on the road, total of 45. It's come down from 46. San Francisco needs this game in the worst way. And I think eventually Jacksonville slips up. This is probably the week, especially with the Niners coming off the bye. You said uh, you think there's a good chance that the Bengals could be a teaser play. I think the same thing with the Ravens. They're minus six, so you tease them down to a pick them against the Browns at home, 38 the total. I think a mismatch at quarterback, though, with Lamar Jackson, you know, against Deshaun Watson. And I know Watson had a couple TD passes last week. What about this one? Where are you at? 
This is a big divisional game. Obviously, the Ravens own the division right now, but Ravens minus six at home, total of 38. Every time a good team comes in to play the Ravens in Baltimore, they blow them out. Seattle, Detroit. I think Cleveland stays within a number. I think their defense is good enough to keep this between, you know, a three- and four-point game. I would take the points with the Browns. Jared Goff back to L.A. Not playing the Rams, though, playing the Chargers. Lions minus three, 48 and a half. Herbert and the guys off a short week. Eckler, uh, a key contributor to that offense for sure. Boy, they miss Mike Williams, though, on the other side of Keenan Allen. What about a Chargers catching three at home, 48 and a half? Your total is Detroit the right side because that's where I went. Yeah, Detroit seems to be the right side, and all the money is flown in today on Detroit. We haven't obviously gotten off of three and gone to three and a half, but we've kind of been playing with the juice. No one wants to take the Chargers. It kind of seems to be not only a public play on Detroit, but a sharp play as well. There you go. All right, and then uh, save the best for last Sunday night football. It's only the best, best if the Raiders get another win. Can they make it two in a row off the high of highs, getting eight sacks and burying a last-place Giants team that was woeful and then lost Daniel Jones for the year? Uh, Jets, you know, inconsistency at quarterback to say the least, but uh, still a formidable defense and the run game pretty good. So the Raiders, you know, they, they can't take any time off. they got to play every play if they're going to try and gut this one out. Probably a low-scoring game. That's why your total's at 36. But a pick game, give me a winner on this one, Diceman, and tell me it's the silver and black state taking care of business. KT, just like I said last week, I thought the Raiders were going to bury my Giants. I feel like the Raiders are live in the game again. Obviously, it's a pick so you're not going to get any points. But I think the play is the under. This game really feels like 14-10, 17-13, Something like that. Usually when totals are this low, they stay under. So I'll say Raiders and under. Great stuff, man. How's everything going over there? Uh, let me let everybody know real quick uh, what's going on over there as far as the app and everything with uh, the Superbook. Yeah, KT, you know, everything's rocking and rolling. Obviously, college basketball started up again on Monday. We're obviously in the NBA and NHL throws of the season, and obviously all the football. So a lot going on. Obviously, the app is still rolling. we got a great promo on the app. New, new users come in, they sign up, get 100. That 100 so basically it's like a $300 roll. And listen, if you're in Nevada and you haven't downloaded the Superbook app yet, obviously come down and come, you know, check us out. And, uh, you know, we're the Superbook for a reason, as you know. Excellent stuff. At Art Dice 21, you're the best, Dice Man. Talk to you next week. Have a great weekend, buddy. KT, we'll talk next week, my friend. There you go. Arthur DeCesar, the Connecticut kid. Just love that guy, and I know Jay Cornegay loves him as well. That'll do it for us here at Steiner's Pub. Thanks to Mark Hoke, my producer. Don't forget his show Sunday mornings, 8 a.m. to 10 a.m., the best in professional wrestling. Thanks to Mark Lawrence. Thanks to Andy Isco. And thanks to Arthur DeCesar on a Wednesday night live at Steiner's. That'll do it for me. Archives up in about 45 minutes, folks. You know the rules. No drinking and driving. No texting and driving. Most of all, God bless our troops. God bless you. Live from Vegas, Sports X Radio, 101.5 FM Dawn. We stream live on that Odyssey app. I've had a great time. I hope you have. Talk to you tomorrow night. Brad Powers with me on a college football Thursday. Till then, God bless. Good night, everybody.